welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction like to introduce yourself Anne. Hi I'm Anne Thomas I'm a GP in Manchester and a primary care medical educator also in Manchester. Thank you. Jonathan. Hi I'm Jonathan Squibbs I'm a final year GP trainee based in South Manchester. Thank you. Julian. Hi I'm Julian Tompkinson I'm a trainer and GP in Bolton and a primary care medical educator in Manchester. Thank you. In another podcast and another chapter in the talc skills for effective explanations and planning care we talked about the bathe technique which is a really useful method for helping us to deal with non-clinical problems that crop up in our consultations in our discussions today we're going to think about the ways to improve our interactions with patients who have very long-term or perhaps very complex problems long-term continuity of care is an extremely rewarding aspect of our clinical work There can still be times, though, when the patient or the clinician or or both get a bit stuck and we can end up feeling a bit powerless. This can often happen when problems are what's called wicked problems rather than tame problems. Now, that's an interesting distinction, Anne. I'm wondering if you could start by explaining the difference between a tame problem and a wicked problem. Yeah, tame problems uh, are complicated problems rather than complex problems. So thinking about that building a house is complicated there's obviously lots of things to consider but the problems can usually be planned for and there's usually a solution to be found and in the end you could always start again it's it's not ideal um, but if needs be you could start again Um, although this might be expensive it, it wouldn't be impossible wicked problems on the other hand are more like something like bringing up a family it's complex so there's no single right way to do it The other feature is you often don't really know how well it's going for a long time into the problem or the task. And then you can't really go back and change things. Finding solutions to one problem, say in a family, a parent taking on an extra job to alleviate a financial problem, then may cause other difficulties. For example, the children may then be unhappy because the parent isn't around and start misbehaving because they need more attention. For some patients, care is complicated. So a good example of that would be end-of-life care. There's so many things to consider, physical, psychological, social and care issues. They all need to be considered and coordinated. For other patients, it's complex. You have asthma, diabetes, fibromyalgia, depression, chronic back pain, and you're living in um, a difficult situation or precarious employment. Then it can be really tricky if say your asthma plays up and then the steroids make your diabetes worse and then you end up off work on you're losing money and then well you can see how it's complex. I think those are really good examples and it's clear isn't it that there's clinical work for a patient like the one you describe which we need to do properly and carefully um, and very meticulously and that is complicated in itself but I can also see how if that sort of set of problems goes on for a long time both the patient and the clinician could get a bit disheartened couldn't they and I'm wondering if we think about the positive bathe approach is that some an option to use in some of these more long-term circumstances 
So Julian, I'm wondering if you can explain the stages of the positive bathe for us. Yes, um, I mean, it's just, it's a technique that I found really useful um, over the last couple of years. And uh, I mean, I, I really love solving problems in a consultation where there's a, there's a clear answer and I find that really satisfying and the consultation is finished. But often, as you've both said, there's no obvious solution to these wicked problems and the consultations do start to feel tricky and disheartening. I think the other thing that happens is that you, you end up with these encounters that these consultations can often on a, a repeated basis. So you're speaking to the same patient on a fairly regular basis and the, the conversation can become a bit cyclical. It sort of feels like you're not, not getting anywhere personally, but I think also the patients can feel a, a bit more stuck as well. So we've obviously still got to provide medical assessments in these consultations and, and advise on, on issues that, that come up, but the kind of wicked issues still re remain. So I suppose it's really important as we could still listen to these patients carefully and, and actively, acknowledge the issues and empathy, because there's definite evidence that changing negative attitudes and emotions into positive ones have huge health beliefs. So the positive bathes are a really useful tool to deal with some of the areas that can't be fixed but you know, can be ameliorated and tweaked. So maybe maybe it's just about appreciating the difficulty of the issues. So the steps of, of positive bathe, there are five parts. B is for best. So what is the best thing that happened this week since or since we met? A is for affect or account. How did that feel? How can you account for that? How did it happen? T is for thankfulness. What are you most grateful for at the moment? H is for happen. How could you make these things happen more often or more regularly? And E is for empathised and empowerment. So positive regard to what's been achieved. So an example of that might be, it's great you've managed to stay at work in spite of all the difficulties that you've been faced with. Thank you, Julian. That's a really interesting summary of the things that we might be talking about instead of just talking about symptoms or problems or, or the chaos in some people's lives. And people will often be pleased that, for example, they've seen their grandchildren or something like that. It might be something that they've enjoyed. And then thinking like, well, how could you make those enjoyable things happen more often or more regularly gives us a kind of positive move into the future. And I'd like to pick up on the remarks that you made about um, the evidence base for this. This is not just a touchy feely thing. There's quite a lot of quite serious neuroscience and psychoneuroimmunology, which shows that when we access positive emotions, it strengthens our immune system, it improves our endorphins and so on, which can help us with pain relief. And it has a lot of positive effects on people's health overall and their well-being overall. So this is some way in which the words we use and the way we talk can be healing in its own right. And there's another chapter in this um, talc module on effective explanations and planning for care on how the language we use can make a massive difference so if you're interested in this area you might want to look at the chapter which is called can words really be healing in their own right so i'm thinking about the effects in consultations and jonathan perhaps you'd like to comment on that and what what effects you found yeah of course so the positive bathe technique was something I was introduced to probably around 12 months ago and I certainly found whenever I've used it with patients there's been really positive impact both for them and also for, for me as a, as a clinician. I think one thing that I've certainly found is that it really just provides a bit more of a hopeful territory to patients as well so helping them to think about things that have gone well in their week and their life and I suppose this isn't about saying everything that's gone it doesn't have to be anything 
sort of major significant often it's things that patients probably have just taken for granted or haven't really realized but I think it's important to shift that focus um, from maybe the problems the issues that they're facing to say well you know there are some things that are going on that are positive that are hopeful and things that we can build on in the future um, and the other thing I've found with this as well is that it's really helpful for patients to see that they can use this maybe themselves at home so this can be a, giving them tools and techniques to to really sort of think about the day they're weak um, and they can start to focus maybe on things that have gone well um, and that kind of ongoing um, the fulfillment that comes from that as well and there's a couple of examples sort of I can think of to, to illustrate sort of the point as well and sort of Julian was saying about going around in cycles and about how we can become a bit frustrated sometimes when we have these challenging discussions with patients and I've had a number of people who've had maybe uh, lots of things going on such as low mood, chronic pain, issues with substance use, financial issues. Uh, and there was one I was talking with and had seen a number of times um, and was having these same discussions of, of kind of lots of things where there's maybe things haven't gone right in their life and the struggle she was having. And I just sort of said, well, tell me about what's, what, what you've enjoyed this week. And she'd had a, a nice afternoon with her daughter. And we talked about how um, how we could get, how she could in introduce more of those and how it made her feel. And actually what I really did was change our relationship. It was something I was able to pick up on in future consultations. And we were able to talk more about that, find out more about other things she'd enjoyed and the different things she'd done to build that relationship with the daughter. And over time, the other issues didn't go away. It's just in perspective. And when we had other things to focus on, she found that they were less impactful in her life because she had other things to look forward to. So really, I think really life-changing for that patient, just being able to shift their perspective and I think the other thing is important to think about the impact it has on ourselves as well. So I think it's really nice to hear about um, positive things that happen to our patients and things that they enjoy doing as well. And, and actually being able to have those discussions as well can be really uplifting and help with our own resilience as well. Those are really fascinating examples. And thank you for that. And I think we sometimes forget that what we say and how we interact with people can literally be life changing, as you say. And that that's a very remarkable thing and well done for for doing that and well done for also pointing out that how this approach makes the humanity of the person come to the fore doesn't it we're having a relationship with them as a human being and actually when we do that we feel better ourselves we we feel uplifted and that makes us go home with energy to spare at the end of the day feeling like we've done a good job so that's really really interesting thank you for that jonathan Julian, when would you use a sort of straightforward bathe technique rather than this positive bathe approach? Yeah, as you said at the beginning, there's the, another podcast and, and materials on the, on the standard bathe technique. Uh, that You probably use that more where a patient comes in with an acute problem, which where they feel really stuck. So examples I, I often see is people come in frantic, stressed, really distressed, don't know what to do because of a, a dispute over a boundary in the garden with the neighbours or where the guttering is. And it, it, it always seems almost quite trivial when you hear the story, but they're absolutely stuck in the mire. And just by using a bathe, you, you're listening, you're empathising, and also just starting to, you know, the patient can direct themselves into a, a solution. Similar examples might be stress at work or problems with the boss. Whereas a positive bathe, as we've said, it's, it's probably more helpful in, in a in a chronic situation where everywhere the patients felt stuck and, and, and we're feeling a bit stuck and, and neither of us can really think to do what to do next. Mm, that that makes more sense and it's it's quite empowering for the patient, but it's empowering for us too to feel that we've got something we can positively try and positively engage with people. And it, it people 
but clearly want to learn how to do this. How would you set about helping clinicians to learn how to use this approach in their own consultations? Yeah, it's I mean, certainly not hard to find uh, examples from our clinicians in training of their experiences in dealing with complex problems. It can be really helpful to explore these experiences um, and also their attitudes, difficult experiences and the, this sort of lack of strategy for structuring the consultation can leave clinicians at any stage feeling maybe exasperated or sometimes feeling like these consultations are sort of a waste of their time. So by introducing the positive bathe as an option to use in these sort of situations, we'll often, it was certainly pricked up a few ears when we start talking about it. In a group teaching setup, what we've done is uh, orchestrate the demonstration of the technique. So we would ask for a volunteer from the group um, ask them to think about a sort of complex problem, something from their own lives, not necessarily a clinical or medical problem, and then demonstrate a technique, being explicit about the different stages that Julian outlined. Then we would move on to do a simple skills rehearsal um, in groups of three. So each person within the three gets a chance to talk about an experience. So they're not acting, they're talking about something that's happening in their life or something they've experienced. And then the group of three explore the approach, taking part as the speaker and then also as the listener and the observer. So you do a round of three, so each participant gets experience in all roles. And after each round, we'd ask the small group to give feedback to one another and, and then go back and practice until they've all had a chance to bathe one another in this positive way. I really like the idea of bathing somebody in a positive way. And I can see how for professionals, this might be quite a good way of refocusing when you're feeling a, a bit exhausted or overwhelmed, wouldn't it? Because when we're doing work, we often forget that most of the work we do is fine and we tend to focus on the problems. And so perhaps either in a group or even sometimes in a, a team meeting saying, well, you know, what's the best thing that's happened this week? You know, and how, how did that come about and how, how does it feel when that happens? And, you know, what are we most grateful for at the moment and how can we make these things happen more regularly can be a way for us to think about our own work in a more positive way and perhaps our relationships with others at work even in a more positive way. And it can be it has been shown, as Julian said, to have a very positive effect on individuals, but it can have a huge effect on teams as well if people take this kind of approach. So thank you very much, everybody, for a very interesting discussion. There are written materials and other resources uh, to, to expand on the positive bathe in this module, Talc Skills for Effective Explanations and Planning Care. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.